Welcome to Full Metal RPG. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, I am your host, Brendan. Al- or <laughs> I am your host, Ben, along with our other host here. Brendan. And this is funny because um, this actually happened to me in episode two. I, I, I really thought myself, about it right I, when I did it. Did, did you? Was yeah, it on I your did. mind? Was it on your mind at that exact I, moment? Yeah. Right when I did it, I was like, wait, I just did the same thing that Brendan did. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's a thing. This is this is This is a real thing. This is a real thing. I think it's more like I had ordered my head that your name was first, and then mine was second, and so when I was ah, announcing it, oh, like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Any, I, I think it's I, well. Anyway, hashtag we've we've known each other too long. Joke. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, this is our fifth episode. Um, yeah, things are rolling, man. We got are... our uh, our uh, podcast posted finally. Our first one. Yes, if you're if you're listening to this now, this is you, this is the, the the lag. This is you you are now experiencing the lag. We put the episode one up, uh, went live if you want to put it that way about a little less than two weeks ago, and we've been trying to kind of like market that and get it out there. If you listen to it, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you so much for taking the time to make us part of your gaming experience. Yes, thank you very much. It's been uh, I've I've had a little like. Uh cockles of pleasure inside my chest as i've like looked at some of the people following us yeah indeed indeed it's been it's been a really like magical and intense time here at full metal rpg as we're kind of trying to get things started and in order to do that we we kind of rebuilt our format here a little bit uh our guest isn't going to show up for a little a little a little bit and ben and i are going to take a second we're going to talk about our D game because um we kind of were examining our format and the way we've been doing things, and we kind of realized, you know, we don't really talk about the D&D game much. And in episode one, that's what we say. We're like, oh, we're doing this for the D&D game. We're like, we want to talk about the fucking D&D game, and we, have, we don't talk about it at all. So, like, I mean, we're really yeah, very it felt kind of awkward with guests who weren't in the D&D game and talking well, about it with them. And there's only, like, one guest that wasn't in the D&D game is the thing, though. That's true. It's just, it, was just, it, was just, it was just Adam that one time. But for some reason, we just always gloss over it. I don't know why. Well, Jeff had a lot of interesting things to say, so it was nice to talk to him about oh, you know, yeah. some of the stuff we were talking about. So. Yeah, yeah. I look. I look back on the Jeff episode, and the guys. The guys a fucking treasure. Um, and we're hoping to have a lot more of Jeff in the future. So, if, if especially if you have listened to the podcast and you uh you you like Jeff, you demand Jeff, let us know. If you like Adam, you demand Adam, let us know because we're trying to assemble here a crack team of people to come together and, and play some games. Yeah, and uh, a little bit later we'll have a guest on, and uh, you know. When, when she comes on, we'll talk a little bit about some of our future plans to cast some interesting episodes in the future. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, about our game, which is uh, super fun. Um, I think that like this session was my favorite session. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Agreed. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're thinking like, oh, well, we're just sort of traveling around the Underdark. We don't, we're not in any like you know, quote unquote, interesting spots. We're just sort of like trying to get from point A to point B. And yet it was so much fun, which normally those are sort of like the castaway, like uh, uh, episodes, if you will, where you're just kind of like, oh, they're kind of like filler for like when you get to like a civilization, when stuff happens. Well, in session two or in session three, I guess, I can't remember. Anyway, after you guys 
managed to escape. This was uh, session four, I think, right? This was session four. We just played. So in session three, uh, when you guys escaped from Velkenveer, we did a little bit of the kind of like wandering the Underdark and kind of and some random encounters. And as the DM, I was not happy with the way they turned out. I did not. I didn't think that they felt very good. I thought that they felt kind of like forced, kind of like random encountery. Like, oh, you're walking through the woods and like some fucking wolves attack you and that kind of shit. And I always hate the way that feels. I wanted it to feel much more story-driven. So in the prep for this game, I really sat down. And while both of the encounters were generated on the random encounter table, uh, they, I, I, I planned them to have a feel like they were part of the narrative. You see what I'm saying? I was able yeah, to put that prep Yeah, especially in. like, um, well, actually, I guess the, the two the two encounters were, uh, both felt that way coming off. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of like, plot to be had with those in the future yeah yeah um especially with some of maybe the overarching themes at least uh, as my character perceives it um so yeah i mean at this point in our adventure we are um we're fleeing from like the remnants of the velkenveer for- fortress at this point um trying to make it to uh an outpost mantal dareth um at this point um we are sort of on the opposite side. I, I, my understanding is that Manitol Dareth is uh, on the other side of a huge underground lake. Um, and in order to get there, we're trying to make it to what I imagine is a ferry at like a Kurotoa village. Yeah, because your characters are not from the area. Um, your character in particular is yes. a, is a, is a, a far, far traveler. A far traveler from a, from a distant area remote in the Underdark. And then even the um, other Underdark natives are not familiar with this particular region. So you're being guided by this ranger who has told you that in, or- in order to get to Mantal Darith, um, you first need to stop at this Kuatoa town called Slubludop, um, where you guys are going to, as she puts it, seek passage. And you don't really necessarily know what that means. Yeah. I mean, I, I from what my character has put together, he thinks it's a ferry that's going to cross the lake at this point. Um, and that voyage might be quite uh, troublesome. Um, <clears throat> I think like, I don't know if we've explained necessarily in detail, uh, after our escape, we, we, there are the player characters and we also escaped with, um, a few NPCs. Um, yeah, they were also, a couple of them were slaves and, uh, we, uh, rescued them for one reason or another. Uh, our three of them were slaves. Um, there was, uh, Seraph, the drow noble, um, Eldeth, the dwarven um, dwarf I, person, dwarf person, female dwarf, seems like a warrior, fighter, per, fighter yeah. type, um, and Jim Jar, the Sphere of Neblin, who I have no idea what he is other than mysterious. Yeah, um, there's there's a huge cast of characters that the PCs get thrown into a cell with in, at the at the beginning of this game, and the players kind of you guys sort of chose who it was you wanted to get out with you. Yeah, they were the characters I think we found uh, as a party more interesting than the others. Yeah, I mean, I was really enjoying playing Sarath quite a bit. He he had sort of set himself up as being very antagonistic towards the party, but like in a way that for whatever reason, and this sometimes happens with parties, um, the players really seems to bond with. I mean, they really seem to enjoy the kind of way that uh, Sarath rubbed them the wrong way. And then... Um, Dustin, who's playing Kale, the Avenging Paladin, he had become captured by the drow after an encounter in a spore field, 
and he'd been experiencing these like sort of strange surrealistic dreams yes in which his character was exploring these kind of like fungoid forests and um Sarath was also in those dreams kind of like like baiting him forward like oh yeah I'd come deeper into the forest like join us and there was, there was this very kind of like ominous feel about the entire thing and uh upon escaping Sarath had essentially kind of tried to ingratiate himself with kale and uh with this kind of like nudging sort of like we know something that other people don't kind of thing don't we brother <laughs> and i think that kale didn't care for that at all despite the fact that sarah had like saved his life at some point earlier yes. in the game yes um and uh i think that 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 tone of kind of like creepiness was was pretty was pretty was fun it was fun for me to play I it was fun it. to see actually i mean um uh the this section i think as a player holds uh holds particular note for me because uh we you know and we'll get to this in a bit but um Sarah does not survive yeah um i mean we can just get to it now you know like well, uh i was just gonna point out that that uh before we get to that during our journey we encountered the the giant fungal forest yeah, the there's this kind of like strange thing going on inside of the underdark where like there's these new these new fungal blooms, these new uh fungal gardens that are kind of um popping up and the long-term inhabitants of the underdark don't recognize them. They don't seem like uh something that they've ever encountered before and they they are particularly dangerous. And so the party encountered uh, a particularly dense cluster of this type of um yeah go full, ahead, go ahead. full of like uh i think like not just not just mushrooms but like uh what appeared to be corpses but then appeared to be animated by like some sort of power of the fungus um to uh to sort of react to our presence um we tried to i mean there was no avoiding it but we tried to skirt it as best we could um I think uh, we managed to mostly succeed, um, but it appeared to affect uh, both the two characters in our party who had been experienced with the fungus a little bit, which was Sarath and Kale. Yeah, so um, the sort of like on this at this point, she's kind of like the leader of the party in a certain way. I feel kind of weird about that. She's an NPC, and I really don't. You know, NPCs are necessary to have in a party to sort of like to sort of like round things out you know but i don't really like having a uh npc that's like a mouthpiece for I, the I, dm i, I, I feel I like sometimes really, she is i don't really feel like she's our leader i would just describe her as a guide at this point she's like our npc guide i mean I, i'm happy to hear you say that like I, I i feel like sometimes she takes a pretty um big role in determining like what happens i guess i mean i guess at this point you're just kind of getting through the wilderness or whatever so it's like you kind of need her yeah i mean if we if we got lost out here it'd be really bad yeah yeah but you're doing great on your survival roles which are yeah uh my character is the map keeper and i am trying to keep us you know sort of like keep an idea of where everything is in here so i'm drawing a map as we go um and i'm doing pretty well on that actually uh high wisdom i guess benefits me there <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other, uh, sort of NPC aside from Jim Jar and, uh, Eldeth and, uh, Sarath is, um, a character named Jazred, who is also a drow, but he's sort of a, um, outcast from their community, and he was living on the fringes of the outpost, 
uh, apparently worshipping oozes uh, at the time of the destruction of the outpost. And he was kind of, I mean, he, he was a character that I had, like, alluded to his existence, and the players hadn't really um, investigated it much. I mean, not that they were really able to, but they, yeah. had, you know, they, they explored it as much as they were, they were able to. Um, but... The way I used him was um, Alex had to miss a session to go to a skinny puppy show, and so he uh, he had been taken captive by um, Jazzred, and Jazzred kind of like followed behind the party for a couple of days, and then presented himself to the party and basically traded um, Manix Manix's life um, for inclusion into the party. So after they encountered this sort of like cell of like really highly highly dense fungal life where you know there was this kind of like fog in the air of of like phosphorescent green spores and and uh these like giant ropey vines of of like fungusy mold hanging from like the top of a cavern and yeah i was imagining like walking through something like that it was very uh disheartening to sort of picture like trying to move through that stuff and like spores like being left all over you and just kind of disgusting that would be and like like they were they were masking themselves but the the spores were kind of like laying on their armor like a like a thick pollen wood and um like a pollen dust i guess i should say and uh i was happy with that scene because it to me it made the underdark come to life a little bit I feel like some of my underdark descriptions have been a little bit kind of like lackluster. So like, yeah, you're in a cave and you're like walking along and there's a cave stream or whatever, you know. So it gave, it meant that there was like a very unique environment that they could like do something in. Yeah, it sort of provided an antagonist, an antagonistic sort of like sense without actually. I mean, I'm sure there might have been an entity there, like that's overarching entity, but not an entity that we could see and that we were fighting. It was um, just sort of like a sense of malice, if you will, that made it sort of more interesting beyond like just a monster appears in front of you and that's good for the campaign in general for like the future of the campaign because that really plays into what out of the abyss is about like i mean uh, what i'm hearing from you guys in the aftermath is that we're kind of on pace for where we should be in terms of setting the stage for the conflicts that will come and between episode three and episode four I of this of the game. Yeah. I really have come to feel like the game is starting to become what it's supposed to be. You know, I felt really lost even going into this session. I was kind of like, Ugh, because I mean, I got the Vampire Dark Ages 20 book and D&D has not been clicking for me and I've just been, I've been looking for the players or something to like, show me that like that yeah, we're like this is the game that we're playing and this is the game we want to play. And this was the session where I really started to feel it. I was like, yes, like this is the game. This is what we're doing. Did you, know? you have like a moment of realization at some point during that? I think it was when you guys were in that, in that, um, in that, uh, I th- in, in my GM notes, I'm, and to be totally honest, I'm, I'm thinking about writing up the rules for those because, because here's a little secret, like, like those little things, while, while that was a randomly generated encounter, like the description for it is very minimal. Like most, like uh, most of what you encountered there was based on my embellishment. And um, I'm gonna write some rules for what goes on in there and how I'm linking that into my out of the abyss campaign. And like, I'm gonna put some up on the internet. So if you guys want to take your out of the abyss campaign in sort of like a different direction than maybe is presented by the book, you'll be able to. Like my my vision for the campaign is much darker and much more much more bleak very like it's very influenced by 
gothic horror and chthonic horror. And I mean, I, I read in the in the introduction to Out of the Abyss, they kind of talk about that. That it's like it's it's this this is the you, you can you can definitely see it too when you start reading it. You know, there's like a lot of these little kind of like tells where you're like, oh, this is part of the current kind of like fixation on chthonic horror that's going on in fantasy and in weird horror and weird sci-fi right now. And I just decided, well, you know what, I'm gonna kind of like pick this up and run with it. And I think the deeper that we get into the game the less like Forgotten Realms is going to feel and the more like a very kind of almost kind of like gonzo horror game is going to feel. I'm looking forward to that because this was, I mean, it was quite a, quite a fun thing that, uh, the, that happened there. I, I felt like it was really vivid and, and, uh, you know, particularly like threatening without like being like combat threatening, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, and that was exactly what it was supposed to be. Like on the, on the random encounter table for that encounter, it says that the, entities inside of it do not attack you unless it's attacked and there's even like a little bit more room to investigate them than you guys sort of took like like as long as you're not violent towards them you guys could have kind of like walked up to them kind of like looked at them a little bit more but the fact that you guys were so eager to get the fuck out of there was like really spoke to me i was like oh thank god they're actually scared yeah and i, <laughs> and I what i was gonna say is i'm calling them uh fungal cysts okay. so we'll see the we'll see the rules for fungal cysts up on the um the web page one of the various web pages at some point and I hope that people go ahead and take that and run with it and make it part of their game. Plus, there's a bunch of other like um, antagonists and organizations that appear in the game that I am either like changing dramatically or just new ones that I'm adding to um, to make the game much darker, much much darker. Because that's that's my that's my background. That's my experiences as a horror gamer. And I really can't I can't do anything without taking it in that direction. And so, um, you, you, you asked like when, when I felt like it turned, I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, this is when it turned like right here. Like, okay, That's pretty good. this is, this is, this is where I feel like the, I understand the language of this game. Finally. I'm glad it turned for you because I think, I think, uh, you, you know, from the sounds of it, uh, your players were, I think, uh, definitely in a better spot with it than you were at that point, up to that yeah, point. Yeah. This is kind of what I've heard. People have been like, oh no, it's a cool game. Man. We should keep playing. And I'm all like, but, but. I agonize over this fucking game, and I was this close. Look, here's you know what you want you know what it was. Sure, is I basically convinced a bunch of people buy the fucking fifty players handbook, <laughs> and it's fifty bucks, and I didn't want to have made everybody buy a fifty dollar book for nothing. So I really was just like, I'm gonna run this game into the ground if I have to. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep playing it until it becomes painful to play, and then and then people will forgive me. And we can pl- go play vampire. Bolstered by the shackles of consumerism. Yeah, well, I, I mean, <laughs> look, I just got back from L.A. And no, I'm like, I'm going to run this fucking game. And everybody's going to go and buy a fucking $50 book. And we, and we bought one for Alex for his birthday. And Jeff, mm. like, spent a bunch of credit that he had gotten at a game store on buying one. And it was just like, you know, that's like, I mean, that's between between the two of those dudes, that's 100 bucks. And then you bought one and Dustin bought one. I mean, yeah. Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, like. Like me coming back from LA, like put like two hundred dollars into the coffers of wizards or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like, and we there had to be something to show for that, not just like three half-hearted sessions and then kind of like, oh well, we're done. We're fucking. You know, I'm, I'm gonna go run run a game that it, I'm gonna go. You know, it's 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 like when you're when you're in a relationship and you're like, eh, I don't know, it's, it's spark's gone. You know. Well, I'm glad we found our spark again. Yeah, no, me too, me too. I think I feel like it's really hitting. And then, um, so you guys then uh made camp later on in the evening. Yeah, and that experience had profoundly affected, um, uh, at least the uh, 
the PC in a party who'd had prior exposure to like the spores. Yeah. Um, that being Kale, uh, who's played by our buddy Dustin, and he had a horrific dream sequence, um, in which he was trying to reject the uh, influence of the spores, and uh, at that point it had become clear to uh, the NPC in the party that he had been affected, a uh, huntress that he'd been affected by uh, by the spores. And we took measures to sort of save him. If you yeah, will. yeah. Um, and this, this is also another system that I'm kind of shoehorning in here. That's not really in the in the in the book. Um, but I, I have a little system by which um, the fungal growth that is that has wormed its way into the um, cranium of a character can be like excised. Yeah, and not pleasantly either. Very painfully, apparently, and um, in quite disgusting fashion. Um, it was, uh, you know, as, 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 as scary as, um, as, as, as horror field scary as the forest was, this was just as equally like disgusting and horrific. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I didn't know that. I'm glad oh, to hear yeah. that. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I'm just picturing, I mean, to, to set the stage here, I'm, Kale is, is, is sort of writhing on the ground in, in pain and, 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 uh, anguish as, um. The NPC has what uh, appear to be metal rods uh, that, you know, we could basically describe, I think, as chopsticks inside his nostrils, attempting to probe to find these these horrific bits of like of, uh, you know, this fungal growth. And, um, you know, that that alone can't be can't be pleasant to to sort of like imagine. Um, And then to top it off, to not find it immediately and to still be digging around in there, it's. It's uh, it's quite horrific. I'm I'm a big fan um in real life and as a GM DM I take inspiration a great deal from the films of Cronenberg, and his um his like horror of the body kind of school um because I I I one of the things that really repels me is body horror like the idea that that my body is being invaded and changed and that my mind is being invaded and changed and that and that that I don't even necessarily know about it and that like and that because my mind is being changed and subverted from within I might actually desire it like I like like something happens inside of me that is like no I like like oh mutate me you know what I'm saying I mean to yeah. me that to me that's deeply horrifying and profound so that's what I was kind of trying to convey to these guys and I think guess it worked it worked out all right yeah I mean it was sort of a tale of two cities right because after we after we dealt with Kale, we attempted to deal with Sarah. Yeah, and, yeah. He- um, Heather. This was Heather on Heather's uh, urging because everybody else was kind of like, "Fuck Sarah, we don't give a shit." I think I think I actually brought it up to Huntress first, more like along like the minds of security. Oh, good um, point. And good then, point. Um, Hunt, uh, as a backdrop, Huntress and Sarah don't get along. Haven't got along ever. They have a history before we were around that they don't like each other, and so she thought the solution might be killing him. Uh, to which I responded, "I would happily do if if it came to that. I don't really care." Um, but I just was suggesting that maybe to sort of like, you know, rather than have some sort of like sleeping dagger lying in the midst of our group, uh, as we travel in the underdark, it might be better just to deal with it. I, I wanted, uh, Huntress to have a, um, opinion that was callous and drow like for a change. Cause I feel like she's been very nice to you guys. She's, she's been very helpful. And um, I don't want her to be like one of those good drow that's all like, oh, oh my goodness, where's the where's the unicorns? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like uh, I want her to be like um, morally dynamic and kind of interesting. So like I wanted her to have a, re- despite the fact that she is like helping uh, non-drow 
and that she has essentially forsaken her like duty to lull by you know sabotaging the military outpost that she was that she was part of i wanted to still portray her as a drow who um is fueled by petty drow shit like oh yeah you know fuck sarah he like he pissed me off a long time ago he gave me a bad look six years ago and i just can't stand him now so now i'm gonna let him die because because fuck him you know um so but then like uh heather's character because heather as a player had mentioned to me that that her goal in the game was to make Sarah kind of like her in, in in vampire terms you'd call this like a ally or like a retainer or something right yeah so and I really liked that idea that like PCs were already kind of thinking about like oh well in a few levels I want to have kind of like cohorts I'm already trying to build a cohort out of the NPCs that we have available and I was like oh that's great and so uh, Heather's uh, character Asian um, took Huntress aside and was like oh no really we need to like fucking fix Sarah and so Huntress was like well whatever. And you guys kind of jumped him and held him down, and uh, did a forcible extraction on his on his face. Yeah, and, which uh, was uh, he had been uh, exposed for a longer period of time, and so as as bad as uh, the extraction went for that is the extraction. I mean, it didn't go badly, but as bad as the extraction seemed for uh, for uh, Kale. Kale, this one was uh, even more uh, horrible, and uh, ultimately resulted in his death. When yeah. the system couldn't stand the shock of having this entity removed from his head. This is the moment where, like, as a DM, I made, like, a horrible mistake. Like, I was, I was like, I had this character that I enjoyed playing a great deal. And I knew another player wanted to do something with him in the future. But I also knew that the other characters in the party felt antagonistically towards him. And so I figured it was just a matter of time before he was going to die anyway. In fact, the Out of the Abyss book calls for his death at about the midpoint of the campaign, it says something ambiguous like, oh, if he hasn't gone completely bonkers and attempted to kill the party, then he can do that now. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, he's essentially meant to be disposable anyway. Uh, but after the operation, I felt like in order to, to make it official, like DM official, I had to roll some dice. You know, sometimes you get <laughs> you you get into this like the the, 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 the Dungeon Dragons trap. <laughs> no, it, it it's true. Like you you feel like you have to roll some dice, or else you're just telling the players how it is. Like oh, you know, it is because I say so, and I hate that. I always want it to be about something more than just my personal will. So. I'm like, well, I'm going to roll for him to make a death save. And I'm like, and, I, and even in my head, as I'm rolling the d20, I have a very ambiguous idea of, like, how this is going to turn out. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, as long as he doesn't roll, like, below, like, a five or something, I'll be fine. And I roll a one. Just like, like, like <laughs> boom. Like, there's this, like, one, like, looking at me, and I'm just like, and he dies. And immediately, everybody on the table looks crestfallen. Everybody, even people who want to kill him, they were all like, oh. Yeah, I think some of the characters had wanted to kill him. I think Kale was definitely in that spot. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I was more crestfallen um, as a player because I thought his character was very interesting. Um, my character is a very alien way of looking at things, anyway. And um, he, you know, you know, being sort of the mad character that he was, and the potential for even more madness after this uh, entity was removed from his head, um, I thought that it would have provided some interesting like benefits for the party. Um, but uh, it was a complete blunder. I mean, as a as a GM, I've made a number of these kind of character blunders, and they usually center around an NPC. And 
I mean, seriously, if I could go back in time and do it different, differently, I would. I'd keep him alive. The best thing I can say about it is is that moving Sarath out allowed me to move Jazrid up. Yeah, I saw that that was sort of what had happened um, later on, which I which I think is a great idea, too, because he's equally mysterious and, and crazy. Yeah, he's also feeling the whole kind of like, I'm a creepy drow kind of thing, and I've got my own agenda. He... He's uh at this point he, he's been he's talked about how he's a worshipper of the of the forbidden drow god um Gaurandar. And I just felt like on some level there were as a GM I felt like there were too many drow in the party who had their own agendas. You had 3 essentially and I was like you had you had Sarith who had his own agenda. You have Huntress who has hers. And I really haven't as you know, GM disclosure here. I haven't really fully decided what exactly her agenda is. I'm kind of writing it as I as I go. I think it's good to leave some blank spaces on that. And then you have Jazred who has his agenda, and I was like, "Well, fuck, man. I mean, like, how many like weird ass drow are they gonna meet in this goddamn game? You know what I'm saying? Are they gonna meet any drow that are just like normal guys? You know? I mean, like, I've gone I've gone too far in the other direction. Get your hot fungus right here. Yeah, I mean, I, I just need to I need to I need to have a balance between like mainline drow society and then like the traitors. There's just too many weird traitors. So having Sarath gone, the only benefit is that he is now, that there's more, more room to focus on these two other characters. Like I said, though, if I had to do over again, I'd keep him alive. I'd keep him alive. And I'd, 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 I'd figure out some, some other way to bring those other characters to the fore. Yeah. Um, then we had one other encounter. This one wasn't completely what you'd call random. Like uh, out of the abyss comes with there's like there's like two or three big sections, two or three big arcs, and then they have like they have like these little chapters, these plot points you're supposed to hit, and then they have these like encounters, these like built encounters that you can put in. And this one was a built encounter. It was called uh, the Hook Horror Layer, and in it, um, some gnolls are. Uh, attempting to hunt some hook horrors and the party encountered this and they fought the um the gnolls. Yeah, yeah. We uh we you know, the gnolls attempted to interact with us at first. Uh but no none one of us spe- speaks gnoll. Yeah, what surprise. a surprise. <laughs> no one speaks the strange language. Yeah, who who's who's not gonna take that during character creation? Of course I speak gnoll. I mean I, I was I was looking at my character sheet and I was like, what language am I missing? It's gnoll. Gnoll, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If, it's if, a, it's uh, a utility language. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, <laughs> but, uh, alas, we couldn't communicate with them and they, uh, chittered at us and then we have fought them. Yeah. And you fought them and you'd feed them handily. Uh, I think part of that was the, you know, we're kind of new to five and I didn't want to spend a lot of time flipping pages as a, in, in the years of GMing that I've done, one of the things I've learned is that the, there is no greater, um, buzz killer than the flipping of the pages. And we have, uh, Alex playing the gnome enchanter and he had a bunch of these, you know, typically very difficult to quantify uh, what exactly they do spells. Uh, Tasha's his laughter and um, sleep. And rather than spending like a bunch of time flipping pages and reading rules and trying to figure out like, well, well oh, how, you know, how many actions does a person who's under the sway of Tasha's his laughter like get? I just kind of made an off the cuff kind of, um, Ruling, oh yeah, these are incredibly debilitating spells to be under their sway, and the party basically had their way with those gnolls. It was, it was, it was a, a yeah. I think route. I think it was only touch and go for me a little bit. I think I was the only one who took a decent portion of damage. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
yeah, those spells were quite handy in, in uh, you know, putting down the uh, the gnolls. Um, and uh, I think that it was after the gnoll encounter in which um, Jazred was sort of uh, enticed by uh, an, uh, our, our buddy uh, Jeff, who's playing uh, Baracus, the tiefling. the tiefling warlock, into sort of like describing for a bit some of his understanding of what is uh going on in the underdark especially with the fungus etc uh, interestingly enough my character had already had sort of a read on that and i was trying to make some roles uh while this was going on that i guess sort of mirrored what he was talking about in that uh yeah there is a uh i guess a, a war for territory amongst like really powerful beings that uh are vying like like, like jazzard puts this in a very kind of like you know opaque way i mean he's not he's not really telling baracus what's happening yet i mean the question is is does jazred even really know what's happening yet or is he just kind of fronting like he is well he might be but his his what he was telling um baracus mirrored what i was thinking might be happening so well i mean that's good so your character is very like internal your character is very quiet and stoic he's very um and it's interesting because you usually play these very bombastic characters. <laughs> I definitely have a reputation for playing some of the more you bombastic do. characters in, in the games. That's I mean. not a bad thing. No, no. I, I think it's quite fun sometimes. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I've always loved it. But the the thing I'm sort of discovering uh, with this character is that even though he's so stoic, I still have sort of a, a rich internal dialogue that goes on while this is happening. Things that I'm perceiving, things that I'm I'm willing to necessarily do as a character um, – uh, to that end, I think what outside of game, I'm going to uh, institute some some writing that uh, I'm going to be both posting on our Facebook page currently um, because that's what we have at the moment. Uh, in the future, we'll have a web page, and I'll start posting there as well. It's my it's my hope that by the time you hear this, that you hear that there's an actual web page. So yes, one, we, one we does hope, hope so. But do check in on the Facebook and like us. Definitely, um, and uh, you know, I think I'd like to share with everybody. Uh, where my character is at and what he's what he's seeing, what he's thinking about these things, um, because he does have such a rich internal dialogue uh, about like uh, what's going out, what's going on, and uh, he has plans and he has ideas and he has things he wants to do. And I, this comes from a thing that we used to do back in the old vampire days. I got it from uh, one of those storytellers' guides, like how to pl- how to run these fucking games. And um, it, it, back in the day, it was called blue booking. And uh, I think this was because the guys who wrote White Wolf books like had access to blue books from college and yeah. you know you know the university seeing the hotbed of role playing. Um, but what I always did with it was I, I I called them writings. You had to do writing homework, and the writings were doing the writings was what made you get experience points. Like, you earned your experience by role-playing, but you didn't get your experience until you gave me the writings. So what I would do is I would go into a, 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 a White Wolf book I really liked, and I'd find a picture, because I had such great art back in then. Um, and I'd Xerox a picture onto a blank piece of paper. And sometimes i get kind of artsy and craftsy with it, and I'd put a whole border on it, right? So you never had to write a whole bunch. And I'd hand out the piece of paper at the end of the session, and I'd say, like, okay, uh you don't get your experience until you give me your writing back and you have to write about what happened in this session and how your character saw it. And this had two great benefits as a GM. On one hand, it, A, 
kept the characters engaged in the game over the course of the week. So they didn't, sh- they, when they showed up at the game again, they hadn't just like fucking been not thinking about it for a week. And they're like, oh, who gives a fuck? Uh, two, um, it, it gave me, uh, this deep insight into what was going on with them. And then I could take that and I could put it into the game. You see what I'm saying? It was like, it's cooperative storytelling, man. You know what I'm saying? We're all, we're all working on this story here, you know? So it's like, sometimes you like to get something like, oh, this is what they think is happening. Like, I'm going to fuck with them and make it be the opposite of that. But then sometimes you're like, oh, this is what they think is happening. Even if it wasn't supposed to be that, we'll take it in that direction because people like to, succeed you know so i highly recommend this kind of blue booking style this kind of writing style a lot of fantasy players reject it but ben and i have had so much fun with it over the years yeah um at first it was really hard for me to take i think like um you always would hand in all the writings at the same time you would your character would never you you would you would would have this stack i'd be like you'd be like you'd be like i've played so many sessions i'd be like you're like, where's my XP? And I'd be like, you can get me a hand in your writings. They're all due. I remember I had these due oh, dates yeah, on I them. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. I think, like, for me, it, we later expanded it, and it was no longer, like, writing. I mean, I could do it on the computer. Um, for me, as a as a person, when I write, I, I find that, like, when I when I write, and this is just me, like, when I find when I write by hand, by, by pen and pencil, I don't have a voice. Like, for me, it's much easier to write behind the keyboard. Um, and, uh, so later on when we expanded it and I remember expanding it quite, quite heavily in Giovanni Chronicles when we were doing that, I was quite, I was a lot more prolific with my writings at that That's time. That's true. I didn't realize that was because of the typing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was young too. Who knows if I really understood all that. Um, well, I mean, I was, I was, I used to be like a very tyrannical GM and I was like, you got to write it on the sheet of paper. You got, <laughs> I, I, I fucking Xerox this thing at Kinko's. It cost me 10 cents. I want you to write on this fucking, hell yeah. I don't know. I had this whole idea. Cause I would put the, I would put the, I have, I keep, I was, I still do this where right? I keep everybody's characters in a, fi- in a file folder. And the whole idea was, is I wanted everybody to be able to have those writings in that file folder in order that they happened. With this image and then the writing, so you could go back and you could essentially revisit the game and relive the game. Yeah, and I think I think like for me, I, I tend to write very stream of consciousness and then go back and edit, mm. and um, so I can't keep up with that when I try and do it by hand. But when I'm when I'm on a, on a keyboard, I type plenty fast, so for me it's very easy to do. Um, and so I for me it's it's tends to be um, more rewarding to do it that way. And so by the time we we advanced this concept and we were doing writings on computers etc um it was i i i think i was a lot more of a active participant then oh yeah for sure for sure but i mean you've always been you've always been you've always been very active and you've always been one of the best if not the best so well i'm bringing it back for this just i was i was talking with brendan about this like i feel my character I'm, i'm having a blast playing him but he is so sort of like alien and strange he's a quiet monk guy yeah I mean, you're playing the quiet monk guy i'm playing a quiet monk who's not like really a pleasant guy either um he's he's you know he is uh, a sort of a reprehensible person on some level um well actually on a lot of levels he's evil he's an, <laughs> yeah, evil, he's, monk. He's an evil monk um but i'm not like I, i'm not the sort of like in your face kind of like 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 uh i'm gonna like murder everybody evil i'm I've got Which other thank sinister. Thank God, BCW. I mean, thank God. Yeah, I've got other sinister plans that I want to enact, um, and uh, so I, I think that for me as a player, I'm ha- I I'm I want to make sure that that uh, as the storyteller, or the DM, 
that Brendan understands where I'm coming from. And so that's why I'm bringing this back so that like I can, I can do these writings and I can share them with him and I'll share them with all you and uh, you guys can see where I'm at. And I think that that's going to be fun for everybody, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Right on. Alrighty, well, I think that we're a good spot with that. That's our game where we're at, and we're going to take a quick break here, and when we return, we'll have Amanda. Yes, we will. Yes, we are, and we have our guest here, Amanda. Say hello. And we've um, we've known Amanda for a long time, right? I mean, like years. We years. have. I think uh, we met Amanda after gaming. She was uh, waitressing at Denny's, and we oh, come in after our Friday night Denny's days. Oh, Friday my, night, Friday oh night, my uh, Jesus. role playing because we were such n- super nerds. Oh my God, the um, <laughs> the the post vampire game Denny's trip. Yeah, yes. the interesting guys that would come in with the uh, eyeliner and the chokers all in black. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. did you just tell <laughs> everybody about I that? Oh, oh, my no. God. That is a thing that we did. Uh, I forgot about that. These facts yeah. these facts may or may not be true based on <laughs> recollection. Y- yeah, no doubt. Jesus. <laughs> I remember some black lipstick, too. That that was you. <laughs> that was you, dude. Guilty as charged, I guess. Yes, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> fucking much. Um, we were way into it back then. We were. I I had the. I don't think I wore it to Denny's, but I had the this black billowy shirt that I would wear. It was like I a, remember it was the like black a, billowy It was a pirate shirt. shirt, but it was black. I never saw the pirate shirt. <laughs> yeah, I, well, because I would change into a t-shirt uh, right before we left for Denny's. I'm like these fucks. Cause I was I was at home, you know. I had my shit there. <laughs> yeah, we gamed at your house, so you had the benefit of doing that. None of us, I guess, planned ahead to bring change of clothes. So that that's how we met. We met at Denny's. That's great. Cause I like, before this, I was I was thinking like, how do we meet? How how long have I known Amanda? But I mean, Jesus, that means I was like living at home. That's how long I've known you. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ! That was I mean, the nineties. Yeah, that at this point you're 90s. looking you're looking at like fifteen years plus. At, at least fifteen years. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, man. At least at least. Oh, anyway, we're getting old. We are getting <laughs> old, guys. Anyway, um. Well, you guys certainly both look very different. From then we then we did back then. Yeah. I guess that's a good thing. Ben with his super long hair now he doesn't have any. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Age caught up with me. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So and we and we gamed f- together forever. We did a million things. We played we played some Masquerade Vampire. We played Requiem Vampire. We played three point five a ton of three point five as I re- recollect. Do you remember the um, Wheel of Time? We've actually talked about the <laughs> how, podcast oh before. Uh, how could I forget the Wheel of Time game? How that can I will f- go down. That that is just infamous. Yeah. That whole. <laughs> uh, I searched for ro- herbs on the roadside. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Dude, it was such a crazy confluence of personalities in that game, and then like weird mechanics yeah, the, as well. That that pre-made adventure they had was really, really bad, because <laughs> the first the, the first thing they had you encounter was the bear. Do you remember that freaking bear? Yeah, it mauled us. Yeah. Well, do you remember you with your rapier and the bear? <laughs> the bear would hit you. You wouldn't take any damage. You'd poke the bear until finally someone, I don't remember who, I think it was Tim, lit the bear on fire. That's the bear on fire. <laughs> that, that is the classic go-to gamer thing. Like, like we can't figure out how to defeat this encounter. We shall set it on fire. <laughs> well, well, looking back, when you know, like after 
that encounter, I was like, why was this so hard? I went and I looked and the bear, the way they based it was on like an ABCD system. A was your starting stuff, which is what it should have been. This bear was a D. <laughs> why? Why? I don't know. But for some reason, the book put you guys against a little low level, can't even do any magic guys against a D bear. I don't know what you were but, supposed to do with it. But I mean, like, like, why would a bear be a D anyway? You'd think that like in, in Wheel of Time, it'd be like, I'm one of those ring wraith analogs. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a D. But instead, it's like a bear. Like, why? <laughs> that, that in and of itself makes no sense. Yeah. yeah, that was that was. Do you remember the scene where we were all? Um, because okay, so 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 everybody who's listening knows Amanda ran this game. This was Amanda's uh, debut GMing for this group, and later oh on my after God, that, it was it, it was, was. Oh, it was. <laughs> and this is and this is right when um, get revenge for that choker when <laughs> when three came out. Uh, they started releasing all these OGL campaign settings and supplements, and I remember. Very clearly, sitting down, we were we were playing uh, Wheel of Time for the first time, and this is when there was no hex map inside the fucking PH. Yeah, and so we're trying to play this fucking game. Everybody's talking about attacks of opportunity, and and everybody's like, "Well, I run around the Trolloc <laughs> and then I attack him from the side." And Amanda's like, "No, he gets an attack of opportunity." And he's like, "No, I ran five feet around." And she's like, "No, you you run in an ellipse around this guy. That's bullshit." And I was sitting there, I was like, like rubbing my head, and I was like, "You absolutely must." I'm thinking to myself, "You must have a fucking hex map to play this game." How did they not? insist upon this in the rules this is a nightmare because they were still at that point 3.0 was written like it was it was it was second e kind of thing like oh just describe your fucking actions but you couldn't (laughs) with that mechanic and then within a year or something 3.5 came out and everybody was all like oh fucking 3.5 is a big cash grab by fucking hasbro or whatever we don't need it but in the combat system, it was like you need a fucking grid map to play this game, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and and for that reason alone, it was an evolution of that gaming system, a, a much needed one. Because and, and after that, it gave way to like ten years of role playing and fucking Pathfinder. People still play all the time. Yes, you know what I'm saying, and and, and people still love and cherish the 3.5 rule set and system, but don't try to play it without a fucking hex map. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I remember the bear encounter. I also remember the crocodile. Was a crocodile? I think. Yes, there was, there was crocodile. crocodile. <laughs> there was crocodile thing, in the swamp. The other thing that will always, always stand out as the pinnacle of what that game ended up being is Jason and the burning building, and he was worried about his horse. Do you remember that? Oh my, I I don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell us the story because because I I remember this. So okay, <laughs> what, this, what is, this is a very good example of one of the things about role playing. You need to kind of know the people you're playing with. Mm. I think okay oh, because true. so most of this group was the vampire group, which is is you two. Um, what is it? Rosa? Then there was Big J. Oh, Big J, yes, <laughs> yeah. Jason. Now, like you vampire guys, you're used to vampire. It's you're true. used to the the dark, the you know, stab your friend in the back, manipulative. You know, Wheel of Time, especially that pre-made adventure, 
was made for people that wanted to be heroes. Yeah, we are the super friends. Not you guys. No, no. <laughs> so, so there was the the part in the book, the this big pinnacle part where you know you could all have your chance to be heroes, where like the 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 dark guys came and they set the town on fire, and you guys were in the inn, and. <laughs> Are you For remembering those that, this those now? That, that can't <laughs> see because they're not here. Brendan was covering his oh face. Oh my god! You guys were all in the inn, hearing the townspeople being murdered in the streets, <laughs> crying out, seeing you know through the windows the town on fire, and you're like, "Are we safe in the inn?" And I, <laughs> and I said, "Well, no one has attacked the inn yet. We're staying in the inn." <laughs> <laughs> like, are you serious i was like you you hear women and children screaming and being slaughtered in the streets oh yeah we're not going out there <laughs> i'm like oh okay and, and so i'm thinking to myself well all right well now i've got to have people attack the inn however jason saved me from that because he then goes wait a minute the stables are made out of wood aren't they <laughs> and i said oh Yes. Oh my God. They're going to catch fire. I need to save my horse. <laughs> so he, he, he and uh, someone else, I don't remember who it was, left the inn to go save his horse. I think that was guy. Timmy, wasn't it? I think it was. <laughs> the <laughs> horse was more important than the villagers. Did yes. you know? Yes. Well, and I so, mean, that was, that was also Jason. Yeah, <laughs> so much of that was just sounds like Jason. He was like his whole, his whole like, attitude. Horse. Because, he, because he was, uh, um, what were they called? The, a warden. And his horse was, you know battle trained and oh <laughs> god yeah. i thought you were, were going to say because he was a libertarian and because it <laughs> nothing matters to him unless it's affecting him directly it, it was because he's a member of mensa <laughs> 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 to me that game was um epitomized by the um being lost in the fog session oh yeah Do you remember that do you remember the loss in the fog? Like we were traveling to the these horrible system in for survival roles. Yeah, they had this. I think oh. because I don't even. I don't think it was even. If it was, I don't know if it was Wheel of Time system that they kind of tacked onto the OGL, or if it was the PH 3.0 system, which at this point to me seems like it was wasn't play tested mm. <laughs> because they when they would have said put a fucking hex map out there. Yeah, at this point it's been so long but, I can't remember yeah, which one it would have been. But I can't remember either. But remember it was like it was like every certain number of feet. You, if you're in dense fog, yeah, you have to check. make a survival check. <laughs> it's like, well, we're marching for eight hours That's or whatever. Just roll. So Pass. yeah, roll. So Pass. we had, and then we, we were we were sitting there, and we had this like grid of like successes versus failures to show how far off track we were going. And this was just kept going on and on. We we're like rolling and rolling, and we we're making every single roll. And um, somebody like calculated like if you if you if we're moving so many feet per minute. Then how many rolls we have to make for eight hours, and we just sat there like meticulously rolling it all out, <laughs> and then and then Jason, being the the guy that he is, yeah, was like, oh, um, you know, it's stupid that we're making all these rolls. And instead of saying something like, hey, Amanda, why don't we make like a couple of rolls for the day? He goes, I'll write a calculator program <laughs> for making all of them for us. And he was, it was like, and he was like, and he would sit there with his like, with his like, his like TI eighty four or something. And he's like, beep 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 beep, beep trying to make this like, make like a thousand D twenty rolls to see like how lost we were in the fucking the fucking misty mountains of. Of 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 not not Tolkien world, but very similar world, you know. 
It was an interesting time. Yes, it was. It oh, was. It was hell. Those heady, <laughs> those heady days of early early uh three point D and D. Jesus. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then we I think we expanded to three point five, right? I liked three point five. I haven't tried five. You guys are telling me great things about oh, it. Five, five is really dude. good. Five. But four was horrible. All right, tell you said you were saying before we started rolling that you had a terrible experience with four, and uh, and I'm so piqued because <laughs> I feel like we all had that terrible experience with four. I want to hear about yours. So <laughs> you're a you're a bad experience, Amanda. So <coughs> four I I don't go and like grab it as soon as it comes out. I just I just don't do that. I like to hear about it. I like to hear if it sounds like something I want to do. Preferably I'd like to try it before I buy it. So uh it ended up being me, the guy I was dating at the time who became my husband, Spencer. Um, our friends, Jeremy and Kara, who were married. I think you've met them. I have. And uh, our friend Larry were in this group. Okay. Okay. So Jeremy decided he was going to run it and try it. And he asked us if we wanted to try it. We're like, okay, cool. At this point, the only ones who have played were me and Jeremy. Spencer hadn't played. His wife hadn't played. Larry. Yay. You mean like, like role played or like played for? Role played. At all. all. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. So these are like all young bloods. You're bringing people in. Newbies. Yes. Which, you know, if you're going to have that, there's there's things you expect and eh, it, it goes with the territory. Sure. Someone's got to be introduced to it. Sure. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, you know, cool. We'll, we'll do this. Well, Jeremy decides that he's going to GM and be a character. I'm like, okay. Now... I don't think he had too much GMing experience. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, it'll be good to have another actual person with experience in the party to help kind of guide. When you say char- be a character, you mean he was like a PC and a GM, not just like the NPC? Correct. Okay. He had an actual made character. He was the NPCs and he was the GM. And so was his character going to be getting experience for the encounters and stuff? And like yes, taking that like out of the pool? Everyone else's character. Uh, yeah, I don't care for that. Yeah, it was a little iffy. <coughs> but, so, I'm used to your games, right? I haven't done a lot of games that weren't yours. Well, okay, I have, but I haven't lasted in a lot of <laughs> games that weren't yours. <laughs> oh, man. There, there's a reason for this, okay? And there's a, it's the same reason that you won the Iron GM, and it's because you're a fucking phenomenal Game master. Oh, I really appreciate here. you. Yeah. You are. Thank you for saying and so. I'm totally spoiled from you having been my first long time game master. That's really humbling to hear you say. I mean, for reals. Uh, well, for it's reals true, now. and and I'm spoiled now. I am so. <laughs> <laughs> so, our very first session, very first session, Spencer has um, a sorcerer, and. Uh, did they call them sorcerers? Yeah, there were sorcerers yeah. in that yeah. one. Yeah. So, so we go. We were some little like goblins or something like that. Some little dink enemies to kill. Sure. He gets hit in the head with a stone. Uh huh. Gets dropped down to one hit point. Okay. Runs and hides behind a boulder and does not come <laughs> out for the rest of the encounter. <laughs> and, um, it gets 
you know, it gets back to what are you doing? I'm behind the boulder. Did I heal any hit points? Because <laughs> he's used to roll, uh, uh, video games. Yeah, he's used to video games where you can hide behind the boulder and you'll get some hit points back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, oh, you, you didn't get, you're not going to until you rest. Well, can't I rest behind the boulder? <laughs> I, I'll sit down. <laughs> it's like, that's not how it works. But he was behind the boulder the whole time. <laughs> Kara was you know she was she was trying she wasn't hitting anything but she was swinging a lot sure um eventually larry and i and jeremy's character you know got these uh little goblins down you know that's fine we gave spencer a really hard time for staying behind the boulder the whole time (laughs) of course he was like well do i still get experience (laughs) (laughs) yeah she'll still get some experience the problem with that group was that it was like they got a little better, but then the dynamic kind of got worse. So we got to the point where Larry literally, literally would fall asleep every session. Oh, no. Like at Ooh. the table? Every session. Like, <laughs> like, like in his – would he put his head down and go to sleep or would he just – or what? Well, there was – three of us would sit on the couch. Okay. Then there'd be the table and then a chair and a chair. Okay. So – Usually it ended up being me, Spencer, and Larry on the couch. Okay. And Larry would fall asleep on the couch. This is Larry that was at uh, Spencer's birthday? No. No, different Larry. Okay. Different Larry. Um, <coughs> every session, we'd have to poke him and wake Mr. Turn Larry. Wow. <laughs> and if he wasn't asleep, he was on his phone. Oh. Annoyed the shit oh, out of me. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you want people to be engrossed in the activity in which you're doing together. That that is kind of a um, okay. So the last time I like really ran a game before the five game that I'm running, uh, was before I moved to Los Angeles, and um, like a lot's changed, you know, in the last like three four years. You know what I'm saying? Four four or five years or whatever. Like the fucking smartphones are just ubiquitous now. They're fucking everywhere. And I was kind of thinking about doing like the like fucking lame dado thing of being like having like a cigar box and being like everybody like fucking fork over their phones like when they come into to play. Thus far, it hasn't been a super problem, but it's been like a little bit. It's been a little bit kind of a problem. Yeah, we've got a couple guys who keep their characters on um, an app. You know, now they have their character recorded on an app. And they don't want they don't want to interact with um, their character sheets. They want to fuss around with it in the app, and I guess that's fine. The there, there, last session there were some issues with like the wording on a spell that had been translated into the app, and that caused a bunch. Which if we had just gone right to the pH first, that would have been resolved much more quickly. Yeah. And then the other problem is, is that when they're dinking around on the app, you don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, like they're like they're on boop, 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 and I'm like, are you role playing right now, or are you like on Facebook? You on know, Facebook, dog? You know, <laughs> like, like, like I mean, like here, here's the thing, man. I'm not against people being on Facebook, but if you'd rather be on Facebook than play the game, then you don't have to play. Exactly. You know? That's that's. You are totally correct. You're basically talking about being engaged, right? You want everybody to be engaged in the consensual activity that you're doing. Right. And it's one thing if like if like 
you know, you're doing like one one ofs with like certain king single characters and the other characters are sort of watching or doing what they want to do. Right. Why right. at that point? Like that's fine. But like when everybody's together, people need to be together. Yeah. I'm trying to be understanding of this situation because this is like we are delving into new technology and we have some new players. And I'm trying to give the new players kind of like uh, like uh, time to come around to how we do things because as you guys both know, like I do things in my own way. And uh, it can be kind of a, a, an adjustment at first, you know? And as maybe you guys recall, I used to be like a real fucking prick about it all the time. I was always <laughs> like, I was always like cracking the whip and being like, yeah, this is up to my specs. But uh, get with the program. You know what I'm saying? I, I, don't, I don't like to do that anymore, <laughs> you know? So um, I'm trying to be kind of like gentle about it and like hands off and kind of hope that things migrate in a direction where we're all kind of on the same page. And I figure the more the story gets involving, more people get involved, then maybe we'll see less of that. I'm not at a point where I'm going to start making, where I'm just going to start beefing about it yet, is what I'm trying to say. But like each session that goes by, we're getting closer. Go ahead. I, I have a spiel, actually, that I give at the beginning of anything I run nowadays. Let's it's, hear it. It's, it's basically a, hey, you're committing to me to play this game. I'm committing to you to make it the best possible game that I can. That means no cell phones. If you need to be on your cell phone for some reason, you don't need to be in the game. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's that, that's very hard-ass, and I love it. I love it. That reminds me of my old fucking speeches. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, is, because it is a commitment. You it know? is. And, yeah. And if it's not just coming to you, it's coming to everybody at the table who's also putting in work, you know? Yeah, because and as a GM, I think if you're doing it right, you're doing a lot of work. Oh, Jesus. You, you're, you ain't kidding, sister. Because <laughs> it is. It's a lot of work. I mean, we watched you do so much work. And that's, again, part of the reason you're such an awesome GM. And then I've had GMs like Jeremy, who didn't do much work and who let Larry be on his phone and fall asleep. And it's just like. Well, this is kind of where you, as a GM, I feel he should have been like, dude, you know, get off your phone, wake up, pay attention. I think what you're hitting at here is that there's this other skill set that goes into being a GM, right? I mean, there's being a, being a successful GM requires like a number of skill sets that you're constantly utilizing, kind of like spinning plates, you know? And, and part of it is the... Like, oh, the imagineering part that's really fun, where I'm like, oh, I'm imagining castles and flying cars and all this shit, and that's fun. Then there's being able to convey that via language to a group of people, you know, being able to describe your ideas and make put that into their head. And then this uh, the, the last one is the one people kind of, like, talk about the least, but ends up being the most important in terms of the longevity of your game, which is that you have to be, like, a leader of men. You know what I'm saying? You have to be, like, you have to, like, hoist your standard and then you have to get people like jazzed about it, and and if they don't, then they gotta fucking go. You know what I'm saying? It's true. You do have to be a leader because if if you can't get your players excited to want to be there and be there and not you know on their phone somewhere else, mm -hmm. your group is gonna just fall apart. It's, it's just true. gonna disintegrate because that's bad for every other player in the game. Yeah, it, it's it's horrible. gonna it is it's it's gonna make everyone their experience is going to be totally lessened by it. And it's just going to be mediocre at best. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm glad we had this conversation. It's really, <laughs> it's really no, you know, some, I, dude, I haven't gamed in years. As I keep fucking saying, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel like this big, like rusty, like fucking robot that's like just like it's like lumbering forward, like trying to get the rust off of his joints, you know. And each session that goes by, I feel more and more limbered up and more and more like like like, like just better at it, you know. Like my claws are getting sharp again, you know. So um. Yeah, it's time to start fucking laying down the law with some of this shit, you know? Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I haven't noticed it being too much of a problem yet, but I haven't been paying much of attention to it. it. It hasn't been a problem. It hasn't been a problem. But I don't want it to become a problem. That's true. You know what I'm true. saying? When it becomes a problem, it's almost like it's too late. Well, the moment, the, moment the, the moment those sort it's of true. activities pull someone out of the storyline and out of description and out of, like, out of like you know the environment, then that's a bad thing. It's it's a really yeah. horrific thing for that player. It's really unfortunate because they might miss something like the cool fungal forest because some asshole next to him is like you know futzing around on Facebook or whatever, which is yeah. really shitty. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so four was a bust for you. We all love three point five. Yeah, that that right? group didn't last. I mean, it, I think maybe it was three months. And that was only mm, that ain't nothing. Well, the only reason it lasted that long is because we would meet beforehand, and Kara would make us all dinner. Ah. That's <laughs> seriously that's yeah. the only reason it lasted that long. And she was a really, really good cook, and she would make brownies. You know, <laughs> interestingly, my experience with four was also based around like a food thing. Well, it was mm. it was like a big board game, really. Yeah, four was just like a big board game. So you know, you ate, you played the board game. Yeah, yeah. It really was not like an RPG. And I also played it with a group of couples, so it's like it was almost there's almost, there's this weird kind of like like sub demographic that four was serving that it didn't. I don't know if it was aiming itself at them, but like, hey, do you want to have a board game night with your couple friends and do a potluck? <laughs> <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, awesome. Okay. I just, I just get this picture of like the classic '60s mom in the little <laughs> polka dotted. Yeah, exactly. Apron with the little casserole. <laughs> with the like air bubble, it says time for the Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> what will the DM think? Um, but so, did you, have you done any Pathfinder? I did do a little bit of Pathfinder. I, I liked the system. Um, again, that was a group issue. Um, that was with my previous roommates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yes. And that was Rob wanted to attempt GMing. It was his first attempt ever at GMing. And I was, you but know, he had I, played before he had played as a player. Um, of course, after this experience, then I actually saw him playing in his group. It was a very interesting group. What, what, what were they playing? <coughs> they were playing Pathfinder. Um, it was just it was it was one of those groups where it's really more joking than playing. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Don't 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 appreciate those groups so much. Me anyway. You know, it's it's it has its place. Sure. It does. Sure. It definitely does. I don't want to shit on it. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people to them that's what it's about and that's the that's the pinnacle of it. And you know what, man? Who am I to fucking shit on your good time? You know, if you if you guys all get together, this is what you look forward to is like making the fucking Yoda jokes and the Monty Python jokes and the references and all that shit. Then, then you know, and you're not you're not hurting anybody. That's for sure. You know, um, but that's not the way I roll. I can't do that stuff. Yeah, I I feel like some people should have a disclaimer. Like, hey, let's get together for this group, but it's not a serious group. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or you should also have a disclaimer if you are serious. Because yes. I've had it been the other way before, too, where people are like, are like, what the fuck is this? You guys want me to talk in character? <laughs> one of the things that I will always remember with one of your groups was the first time played. Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Do you remember that? I, I wasn't in that group. I, I Let's set the backdrop here a little bit. That was um. Oh, that was the split vampire group. The split split vampire. vampire group. Yeah, Brennan That's had this right. idea that he was gonna run the same game through two various outlooks in New Orleans, and because we had a lot of people who wanted to play in Brennan's games at the time, um, so we had two full parties of people. Yeah. There was one person who was playing a character in each of the par- each of the games, Rosa. Yeah. And then um, I myself was in the Friday night group, and I think you were in the Saturday night group. Was what it was. Jesus Christ. Or Sunday, it might have been Sunday. I can't remember Arcade, Sunday. Or Saturday. I think it was, it was a, two different nights. Yeah, yeah. Two nights, but 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 like so, I was running like eight sessions a month. I mean, that was exhausting. That was exhausting. Oh, I bet. Cause yeah. Because there was an Invictus group. This is Requiem. So there was an Invictus group, and there was an Order of Dracul group. And what they they started off at the same time, like on the same day, in the same city. And then they moved on different time tracks. The, yeah, we were. We, the idea was we were going to sort of like see the sort of like leavings of the other group as they happen upon the city, yeah. and um, investigate and like sort of have interaction. Um, but that was hard to do because uh, you know one of the group advanced quite a much, quite a bit faster than the other the other one did. Yeah, yeah, it, it temporally. Yeah, so, but I mean. That ends up being a game that I look back on very fondly in terms of like the experiment, but I think it had a lot of like horrifying outcomes. Like there was a lot of like not good <laughs> stuff that went on in it. Well, there there was definitely some interesting things. Like David, um, great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. And yeah, and I, ha- I had dinner with him the other day. And once he realized that it was more of a serious game, he kind of you know fell in line. But coming in, he obviously did not know. And I will never, ever forget this because at the time that it happened, I was mortified, literally wow. <laughs> mortified. And I remember, and it, it wasn't just me, me and, and I know there was at least one other person who looked at you with, with this look of fear on our face because, you know, Brendan was known to lay down the law back then and he jokes about being tyrannical but uh that was definitely <laughs> there was definitely some tyranny involved no, no that was definitely a thing but but this, this was a serious game and we came in you know did the introduction started going to the game and brendan is setting the scene as he would and he he's he's setting the scene and somewhere in there there was like something bubbling i don't remember what it was if it was a cauldron or but there was something that was supposed to be bubbling and you're describing you know this bubbling sound and it goes bloop, 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 bloop. oh my god and i was like oh my god that did not just happen and, and all these heads turned towards brendan like what is he going to do and brendan you were just like you just like looked at him like did that really just happen and and you're, you you just continued but you're staring at him the whole time while you continue setting the scene, and we're looking at you, and we're looking at, we're looking at you, and we're looking at, you. And, and at this point he's he's like, why is everyone looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't make any other noise until he introduced his character, which he was playing, if I recall correctly. Now Damon is a little white dude. Yeah. He was playing 
this big black guy, wasn't he? Yeah, this is a, this is this is a thing. And I've always been I've always been a little weirded out when people do this, but I I allowed it. Go ahead, you're saying. Okay. I'm gonna get back to that in a second. <laughs> but he's describing his character, and apparently his character smoked because he then mimes having a pack of cigarettes right and and packing them like you do a pack but he makes these noises too while he's doing it like like i don't even know noise like yeah. when he's packing it and, i remember that and it's just like he's making his own soundtrack and it was just like dude what are you doing <laughs> no you're right i mean that that was a he, he Damon's style for a little bit was like a very big departure from what we were used to and i think it did take him a minute to kind of acclimate to it right did did you ever say anything to him like no i don't think so like i mean by the time by the time i witnessed that game because i came to visit a session i watched you guys for session um it 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 seemed like there was nothing nothing going on like that rather the your your party was just so fragmented oh our party was yeah. crazy yeah like yeah it was it was very interesting from like a from a, like from a gaming standpoint. It was very interesting having these two different games that were on allegedly similar tracks and watching how they confronted things differently. Like the, um, I mean, you you could I, I don't know if it was the personalities that were in the game as much or if it was the the factors that you encountered as characters because the Invictus game became just completely fragmented, dog eat dog. Everybody hated each other. And then the Order of Dracul game, everybody was like super tight and they moved like a unit. It was <laughs> incredibly efficient. I mean, I've never, I mean, it was, it was, it blew my mind because I had never been in a vampire game where characters had moved with such unity and efficiency. I mean, we had our, we had our bumps in that one too. I mean, um, I hated the character I was playing right off the bat, oh. um, I, where I, where we ended up murdering my character so I could play another one. Um, but then your new character was a lot better though. Oh yeah. Well, I just had a problem like like seeing where my character was going in that game. Was that Shreven? Shreven, yeah. Um, and uh, I was playing some sort of like weird philanthropist who had a lot of money, was donating it to the historical yeah. society there in the university, um, and uh, was sort of like in an, in an effort to sort of like enter the occult world. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I I remember pulling you aside and being like, I'm not liking my character. I want to yeah. like move on. And Brendan's like, I got this great idea. Uh, you don't mind if your character dies in this? And I was like, No, no, I'm I'm done with him. It's it's over. And so, I had an awesome death scene. It was great. Um, and then we brought on my new character, who was a Russian hitman. Which, yeah, I was about to say, it was like, it was the Russian mafia guy. And because earlier in the podcast we were talking about my big fuck ups as um as NPCs and like big things that I thought would go over well and that that didn't. And this <clears throat> completely organically through conversation. Leads us to the other fucking big fuck up I ever did, mm. which was Ooh, this one, <laughs> which was bringing AJ's character back, allowing him to come back from the dead, because AJ's character in that in that game got stuck with my character in his death scene, and he and he died, and I worked something out with him in back channels because he was upset, he didn't want his character to die, and so I was like, well, no, no, don't worry, we'll have you come back to life. 
But you, it, it won't be that you've come back to life. It's that you were never dead. It's but you, but now you're back as a vampire, I right? Think, I think the, our characters were problem problematic on a certain level because he and I um, functioned very well together in terms of like ferreting out secrets, and so he and my character were uh, sort of a step above the other characters in what we were doing and the actions that we were taking. And I think we got a lot of time, and I think we had people mm. sort of envious of that, and they didn't like what what we were doing on some level. Um, and uh, so when when uh, that problematic just problematic characters kind of died off, people were sort of happy about it, you know. <laughs> it's true. Like, it's like, really uh, true. Like these guys, they they were pushing the envelope, and look what happened, you know. Like, but there was something particularly caustic about AJ's character in that game. Yeah. That people people hated, and I remember being like, I remember because I set it up. It took us weeks after that to get to this point where I was like, I, I was the only one who knew his character wasn't dead. Like I remember talking because you you we had talked about it. So we we I, said, oh because oh because he. It had something to do with the Russian mob angle that we were playing. Yeah, yeah, was I was involved um, in that because the because the second character I brought in was based off of was based off of his character that mm-hmm. had died, and I was coming to find him because he was the scion of like a yes. of like a mafia family. Yes, and I remember. So I like set up this whole thing. It took us like weeks slash months to play, and then like I'm like, and you walk into the room and you see AJ's character standing there, and now he's a vampire, and everybody was just like. They just had this look on their face like, fuck you, man. Really? <laughs> you fucking... Are you serious? Like, you could just, like, hear pencils, like, getting slammed down on the table, you know? And I was just like, I was like, oh, wait, this is not cool? <laughs> I, thought th- I, thought this would, I thought this would be cool as shit. No? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Oops. awesome. Oops. <laughs> that's, that's some of the best fun, though, in role-playing, is, is when something you didn't expect to happen happens. Like... For the players and for the, it can be for the GMs too. I I I like it. I like to be open to it. I case in point. Do you remember my venture? Okay. <laughs> case in point. Ben and I talk about your venture, like all the time, as being one of like the best moments in a game, where a player like really took hold of the story and like made the story. You know what I'm you know what yeah. saying? Definitely. You know what I'm saying? We, so we've fun. actually talked about this in the podcast uh, oh. previous did, episode. Oh, we did, didn't we? I think we? we did, yeah. We, I loved that character so much. I loved that game so much. I loved what we did with it so much. That was like one of the best. I mean, that was such a good game. Montreal. Yes. Right? Well, it started out being... Yeah, that was awesome. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a fucking New York game. It was supposed to be a, a Camarilla New York game. And Amanda was supposed to play a Ventru. And I always start everybody out as humans... Because I like people to undergo the embrace, and uh, and uh, so then you guys became ghouls in England. I don't know. I don't. Know, I had this idea. I wanted to do this thing in England. So you guys were in England <laughs> to do this fucking thing, and then you encountered this Sabbath character. Right? You're fighting this Sabbath guy, and I. What did you, what did you say to this guy? Oh. You're shooting him with a shotgun. You're standing. You're standing there in this field, and you're shooting him with this shotgun. Right, and he's like this path of metamorphosis Zimacy guy. Who, to be totally honest, I hadn't really put a whole lot of work into his character. I, I mean, he was supposed to be there as like a savage guy who's like fucking with you or whatever. And so I knew his name, and I had like I, I some imagery for him and stuff. But he wasn't he wasn't supposed to be like a main character or anything. And um, and you're shooting him, and he says something to you like, "That's clearly not working. Like, why do you keep doing it?" And you said something like, I just want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) 
And he's immediately like, ding, <laughs> you're like my new path of metamorphosis, like acolyte. And he just, and he, I remember he like disarms you and then he like kidnaps you. And I'm, and I'm basically like, yeah, okay, we need to like rewrite this entire game right now. Well, I remember because, I mean, I had no idea at the time what a huge thing had happened. And I remember after that session, looking at you and Ben, and you guys were both just sitting there like stunned. Yeah. And I, I, was, I, was, stunned. I was like, I was like, I. I know that this guy's like some crazy dude on the path of metamorphosis, and like, what would that, what would that mean to him that she just said that? Like, it's gonna be crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah, like here's some human who just like looks perfect to like succeed this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea like what what the path of metamorphosis even was. I was yeah, just that like, was like, was that your first vampire game, dude? I think it was. I think it might have been. I think it was like a perfect a perfect meshing there. Yeah, it may have been because I I know I didn't know anything about Simacies at that point. And so, like, she gets kidnapped, and and then you guys are just sitting there, like, shaking your heads. And I'm just like, what the fuck just <laughs> happened? <laughs> you know? Oh, that I, I I was I was I was awesomely stunned at that. Yeah, that was that, really was, cool. that was some really brilliant role playing. I think that that was like, that was probably when I realized that what a good role player you were, and like like how much you were going to contribute to everything that we did for years after that. You know? these, these are the kinds of experiences, though, that make role playing so worthwhile yes. and and just just awesome. No, no, that's why I keep coming back to it. You know, that's why I keep doing this shit. I fucking love it. Plus, you get great stories like Heather, the nature cleric, fire blasting oh everything, <laughs> <laughs> flame strike. <laughs> Yeah. Flame strike. Oh no, remember, my scimitars are destroyed by the flame strike. Remember, remember we were okay, okay, so so listeners, we were we're playing a D and D game. Alright, we're playing like was that Greyhawk? Were you running Greyhawk? Yes. I was, was it was it wasn't it was based in Greyhawk. It wasn't one of those pre made things. This was, right, right. This was one of the stories that were my babies. Sure. And I wanted to get you guys up to, you know, the huge levels and it didn't go that long, but Oh, I remember it going quite a way, a lo- quite a long time, wasn't it? It did go for a while. I think I think I have this memory like we got up to like past level ten. I think I was yeah, like we, level eleven or twelve or something when we finally finished the game. I don't know that we started at level one. Is the thing though? I think yeah, we I started like level four or something or five. Yeah, yeah. You didn't start at level one. I remember that because that was why Heather was a little unclear on her her spells, mm. <laughs> and. Uh, and she decided she loved flame strike. She loved flame strike. <laughs> she was this like she she was the cleric of Elona, right? The the yes. nature the the nature cleric of goodness. Yes. And she was like uh and she was like flame striking the shit out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and because because okay, what was that creature that we were inside of? It was not a shambling mound. We get we it get, wasn't. It was kind of like a a oversized Venus flytrap sort of. It was de- it was a plant creature. I don't remember yeah. what it was called. It was a plant creature that would swallow you. And but so it, we were inside of it. Yeah, and it didn't, but it didn't move like a shambling mound. It didn't actually like walk and stuff. Right. It was stationary. It would just have tentacles. Why didn't tentacles. we just run away? Yeah. <laughs> well, because then you, she couldn't have flame struck. Well, we could talk. We could talk about this fucking all night and like the whole like, well, like should you have to run away or should you be able to kill it and all this other crap and like and the, the entire mechanics of building a. Let me counter. just say right now, if it's. If there's a game that I'm running mm-hmm. and I know that there's some one of those these players that are stubborn and you know when you have a stubborn player. Oh, you know. I will intentionally put in the lesson encounter. <laughs> the lesson encounter is the encounter that if you don't run away, 
you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, I read some stuff by John Wick, and I think he would appreciate that. I think he would approve, you know, because, I mean, it's, it's, like, you're, it's like lessons. It's like you're teaching some lessons. Yeah, you know, you know? I, I've definitely had that moment with with old with old Ben here. Uh. No, I, I know I've definitely tried to. No, I've definitely tried to spank Ben before, and that and that's gone. You know, it's either worked or it hasn't. I've definitely tried to spank Jeff, and that's either worked or it hasn't. You know, mostly mostly hasn't. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Um. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit with the with the come back to OGR, right? Huh? What do you mean? Like like in a sense like the the encounter like uh, what was it the the uh Lamentation of the Flame Princess like expansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like there's just encounters and like like the which one was it called? A Red and Pleasant World. Oh, there's an encounter a, table that a like Red and Pleasant Land. A Red and Pleasant Land where like there's an encounter table that like any encounter can be just like totally vicious and Dude, murder you. That's that's actually not Red and Pleasant Land. That's what I received in Amazon. Oh, today. the Book of Grudges comes out. No, it's not it a is. Book of Grudges. I got my copy of Carcosa in. Oh, Carcosa. And this I is just, the one. I just thought you'd like to take a look at this <laughs> copy of Carcosa, my friend. I, I gotta say, it's very pleasing aesthetically. Dude, look at this. it looks like a little hardbound book. That's oh, quite attractive. It's so gorgeous. The way it feels, Amanda, you gotta feel this book. When Ben's done, I want you to feel the book. And, uh, and the pages are so fucking nice. <laughs> All right, all right, Amanda, you need to, you need to, you need to there step you up into the sweet ass, sweet OSR world Ooh. with us. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, right? it's OGR, it's OSR. It's like it's it's so it's oh man I mean this okay so so you, in the front here you've got this hex map right and the hex and the and the hex it's, 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 it's these little grids right and each one of these is like a, essentially like a ten mile across area right and then in the back fo- the back folder the very back leaf or whatever they take one grid and they blow it up so it's its own little hex map where each little hex is about seven hundred yards or something right and there's a um. There's a adventure in there that l- that you play out in that one hex. In the one hex, it's like, oh yeah, if you want to play a pre-packaged adventure, here's a pre-packaged adventure. It takes place in the one hex. And I was looking through it earlier, and, and you could play that as an entire campaign. You could oh. play you could play the one hex as an entire campaign. Wow. I mean, it is it is it's all these crazy tables. It's like it's it's this is just a imagination bomb right here. You can do anything with this fucking game. And it's so dark. It's so weird. I fucking love Lamentations and OSR. I love it. This book is gorgeous. Is it not? <laughs> so get the fuck out there it's and buy your carcosas, people. Jesus. That's that's one thing. I mean, you can get all these role-playing books now on on the computer, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, some people do, but, man, I got to have the actual book. Amen to that. And then, sister, I, preach. I, I think I got Lamentations at first as a PDF uh, before I then purchased the book because it's way better. <laughs> it's it's worth mentioning that if you're on the fence about the OSR experience, you can get Lamentations of the Flame Princess uh, core rule book, rule book one. Uh, it's called like Rules and Magic, I think. Um, on Drive Through RPG, it, I think it's actually it's on the it's one of the other ones. RPG Now. It's on RPG Now, which is part of Drive Through RPG, but it's RPG Now, and it's a free download. You can get you can download the PDF. You can take a look at it and see if it's something that will. It has none of the cool art. It doesn't have the it doesn't have the art, but it has the rules system. You can play with it. You can take a look at it. Um, but I love the books, you know. And and what kills me is the books are so 
effing hard to get. How long did it take, Dave, to get you the um to get you the core book? I think I asked for it, and I think about three or four weeks later, he had it. Weeks? Are you sure about that? Song? Uh, nah, my memory could be wrong. That's honestly, the, that's the thing is because at that point I was at that point we thought we were going to do an actual play of Lamentations for the podcast. That's true. And but the thing is, is I had asked him when I got into town, like get me another Lamentations book. Because I'd wanted to have a bunch of table copies and stuff. I wanted to start giving him out as gifts. I already gave one to Jeff for his birthday. I bought one for you for your birthday. Because the one that Dave got in. Because um, I'm just, I'm, I just want, I'm going to put this fucking book in people's hands. Um, and so I think you went in there after I had already asked for one. And you were like, oh, get me one. And then maybe like three or four weeks later, you got one. You know, mm. but I had I had asked for it like months yeah, previously, go. and I had been like, and every time I went in there, I was like flogging him. I'm like, "Where's my copy of Lamentations? Where's my copy of Tech Noir? Where's There's my copy of Frostgrave?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, Frostgrave seems to be a little bit better. Than yeah. Well, Frostgrave is Osprey, so I mean, it's like at least it's you know it's 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 more vital. Yeah. Know? Oh, Amanda, you still playing miniatures games at all? Yes, actually. What are you playing? Um. Well, there's this one, Kingdom Death. It was a Kickstarter. Oh, <laughs> do tell. Coincidentally, I just want to say that that uh, I had um, been looking for a model for my character for uh, our current Dungeons and Dragons game, and I had stumbled on the Kingdom Death models before. They're gorgeous. Oh my God, those things are awesome. They they are beautiful. That's the first thing that caught my eye was. The models are just gorgeous. There's one that they haven't sent out yet that's just this tree. It's a tree. It's the most beautiful tree I've ever seen in my life. And I'm <laughs> like, that tree is mine. You know, the, the model's beautiful. Well, someone was a comment. I think that was the Lion Man. I have no idea. I've never played this game, but I just saw the models. The yeah. Lion Man so with the fingers. So kind of pitch the game to us real quick here. Yeah. So why I really like this game is I think it's it's the best that I've seen so far of a blending of miniature game and RPG. Okay. It's, I mean, I, there's, there've been games that have tried it, you know, like descent, I think kind of tries it. Um, but this game, it does really good on the RPG aspect. Uh, the world is, is kind of dark and sinister. Um, and just the way, the way they do it, you get involved in your little community, really, because you set up an actual, um, like, town and stuff, and you try and make it better, a settlement. Like, protect it from monsters or something? Um, no, the monster aspect comes in because you go and you're hunting. And what you're hunting for is resources and food, obviously, but to make more gear. And your town, it's, all, it's okay, so it's three, ses- three, three things. First, you decide who you want to play. Okay. Um, you get them geared up. Then you go on your hunt. And depending on how far you are along in the game, you know, you decide what you want to hunt. But the first thing you hunt is a lion. That's the, the very first thing. Uh, once you've done your hunt, if you're successful, if you have survivors coming back, and this is an if because this game is actually difficult. It's not one of those. The, the thing about Descent was it was, it was fairly easy, mm-hmm. you know. It wasn't... You rarely had anyone kick the bucket in descent, you know, unless you were kind of really bad. But this game, <laughs> you could be a good player, uh-huh. 
and it'll still kick your butt. Really? Yes. It's 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 part of what makes it fun, though. <laughs> so it's 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 fun hard, not not <laughs> yes. like frustrating hard. It's fun hard. And, um, is, and is this cooperative? Are it we all is working cooperative. Together? And it's like a that's party. Another, that's yes. That's it. You definitely have your party. Um, it's cooperative. You play against the game. So are there like classes or something you're all playing, or you don't have a class, but you do level up. So okay. it doesn't have a class system like you're a wizard or you're a you know, you're a mage. You're, that's the same thing. You're a barbarian. You're all humans. So there's no special powers, but you get things. You get like weapon proficiencies eventually, and you make your gear, which is why you go on hunts too to get resources from the animals you kill. And there's um, a storyline, an underlying storyline that you progress through, and which opens oh. up. More. There's like a story story. Yes, an actual story. Mm. You start out in this, you're, you're basically in the dark. You have a lantern. That's it. You have a, a loincloth. And there's these weird stone faces. And you get attacked by this lion that's, you saw the model. It's got like human hands. It's not a oh. normal lion. Um, it, but you have no clue what the hell's going on. So the story there is you're kind of figuring out what the hell's going on. You know, why you're here, why these monsters are here. So you like why some transplant to this environment then? Uh, well, it sounds like there's a mystery going you on. You don't know. Like, okay. Yeah, there's a mystery. Okay. So this is a little, sounds a little Ravenlofty in a certain way. Like we don't. Yeah, okay. I, I would say definitely because you, you, you don't really know. Um, in fact, when you very first start, you really don't even have language. That's one of the first things you get when you start your settlement is language. And, so, and this is why I call it like kingdom death, right? You're kind of building a kingdom, sort of. You're building yeah. in, in this void. That's what you want to do. And it has things they call the in- innovations, which are things like language. And you get more advanced stuff as you go along. And, of course, they give you um, the things that you get give you bonuses like language. You can communicate with each other now. And that opens oh, up. Oh, interesting. A, a new. They have. Um, do you remember the old action points? Yeah. From mm-hmm. They Every have one. something similar to that. They're survival points. Um that you can use in the very, because it, it throws you right in. The very first thing you do is you're fighting a lion. You, you wake up in this weird place and this lion attacks you. And the only thing you can do with your survival point that you have at that point is dodge. But as you get more innovations, like once you have language and you can speak, you can get um, different things that you can do with your survival point. Uh, it's called encourage once you can talk, which means that you yell at your your partner that's been knocked over so they can stand up stuff like that hmm. <coughs> and you're supposed to play this on campaign mode so you do a lot of s- you do a lot of sessions yes so how would you feel about coming in um and teaching me and ben how to play this like on the podcast would you be willing to do like a, an actual play with us or yeah mic it up that would be very entertaining. What do you think? Should we get Should we get Dustin in, or should we get uh? Dude, that description was rad. I want to try it. Yeah, right. I you mean, I'm, I remember telling you like I'm not a big Descent fan, but this this description sounds awesome. Yeah, you, you know, I played Descent, and I had such high hopes because it looks really cool. You know, it's pretty and stuff. Um, but this just blows that out of the water. This is it's so much more in depth, and like I said, the role playing aspect, just the whole, because there's things that happen. Like, so playing with Spencer, um, his character, he managed to roll a crit on this one part and the lion, he ended up basically punching the lion's jaw off, right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, because later in the game, because the lion didn't have a jaw, it ended up throwing up on Spencer. And <laughs> this is fascinating. <laughs> I'm like wondering how you would arbitrate these things instead of a board game. This is amazing. So he, it threw up on Spencer, and because it did, um, he had to make a roll. A lot of these things too are are you roll to uh-huh. see what happens. So he made his roll, and he ended up uh, going crazy, but not like not like bad crazy i guess you'd say he ended up getting a permanent courage one point to his courage and uh and there was some some uh oh my gosh what was it some weird thing um where it was just some minor mental deformity from going insane something like he was afraid of of some weird th- i don't remember what it was but this is the kind of weird stuff that happens so now his character is crazy, so he's got a crazy that's cool character. There's he like plays a generation now. system in there. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Justin, um, and it happens all through all through it. It's not just during the encounter when we uh, were on our way back to the settlement. You know, we we killed the lion. This was not the first the first time a different lion, because um, there's different levels to the to the enemies. But we were on our way back to the settlement. There was like this weird green mist because there's these random cards of what happens. We got this weird green mist. Um, we, it was like, okay, pick a person to to attempt to do this, and we're like, okay, Justin, you're going to be this person. He made his roll, and he ended up tripping over some rock, falling onto another rock, and he basically busted his jaw. But because we don't have any way to fix it, now he can't talk. But so, as a player, as his character cannot oh talk, so his character can't do the encouraged oh, stuff anymore yeah. and if there's anything that involves talking his character can't do it because he cannot talk so it's just it's neat in that way yeah yeah well okay well, here's the thing uh we're, we'll do it we'll, we'll set up a we'll set up an actual play um as soon as we can and uh do you want us to find another guy do you want us to find like maybe get like i mean how many players does this thing support four players um is what you need. So, like, if you did just you two, you uh-huh. guys could both run two different characters, or you could just get four oh, players. Oh, you need four players, and then there's a, a game master? No, it would just be the four players, but I don't have to play, because I know how to play. Like, I could just be, like, here to be like, okay, you have to do this. Oh, well, you play. Okay, yeah. then Come just one you play. Yeah. And get, so what, you want you want Dustin, or do you want Jeff? Well, who, who are you feeling? What do you, what do you think? Who, I, who, I'm who? fine with either one. All right, great. Well, we'll play it to both of them. We'll make, make them arm wrestle for it. Okay. Oh, the first person seems <laughs> the most interested in it. Yeah. Know. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming down. We really appreciate it. Um, I've had a blast. I've had a blast this evening. That was fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you made it down. And look forward to the uh, actual play podcast. That's going to be a blast too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. We're gonna we're gonna do it this time, and we're not gonna let it fall apart like Lamentations did. All right. So, um, thanks for listening to another episode of Full Metal RPG. Thanks, Amanda, for coming down. Thanks, Ben, for co-hosting with me. Woo! Thanks for having me. And uh, look for us on uh, you know Instagram. Facebook. And I'm going to have a Reddit post soon so you can uh, start following us on Reddit as well. Twitter, SoundCloud. All right. See you out there. Thank you. Good night.